Money FM 89.3, best of the breakfast huddle. The Bigger Picture with Ryan Huang. Money FM 89.3, it's The Breakfast Huddle. Elliot Danka, Bharati Jagdish and Ryan Huang with you. Time now to turn our attention to The Bigger Picture. And today, The Bigger Picture constitutes ups and downs. In this context, a couple of things. The first Bitcoin-linked ETF and this year's growth forecast for Asia, I understand, Ryan. That's right. So on the bright side, you've got the first Bitcoin-linked ETF off to a strong start on day one. But looking down, this year's growth forecast for for Asia is a bit of a bleaker outlook going by the latest downgrade by the IMF. Uh, so we'll get into the details and the bigger picture of Manpreet Gill. He is the head of FICC Investment Strategy at Standard Chartered Private Bank. Morning, Manpreet. How are you doing today? Morning, Guy Man. Great. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great as well, Manpreet. So let's talk about the IMF forecast for Asia. They have cut their outlook to 6.5% from an earlier forecast of 7.6%. So with that backdrop of slower growth, Manpreet, what what are you telling your clients about markets these days? Well, I think the forecast revisions, I mean, they're sort of now beginning to incorporate what we kind of knew already from the high-frequency data, right? That mm. what we're seeing from COVID has been a challenge. But on the positive side, as vaccination rates are picking up, we've always said that's one precondition for an improved growth outlook. But uh, in our view, from an investor's perspective, there's a sharp divergence between the equity and the bond market outlook. Because from an equity perspective, we think there are challenges. For equities to do well, not only do you need the growth outlook to improve, but there are a number of other global market factors that need to fall in place, starting with a weaker dollar, which still remains a bit of a challenge. So for us, our equity market picks still more so in developed markets in the US and Europe, as opposed to Asia or EM, with a handful of exceptions like India, of course. But it's the dollar bond markets where we see more interesting opportunities. I mean, Asian, you know, yield, for example, has been through quite a bit of pain recently, but Mm. the result of that has been, you know, you get much more attractive valuations than what you're seeing in the equity side. Yeah, there's also this um, view that there's a divergence between the emerging markets, the developing ones versus the more advanced ones. If you look at the markets there, are they something to avoid when it comes to investing in emerging markets right now? Well, I think it's more about monitoring the factors that drive. I I wouldn't ignore it. I think there's there's always a place for an allocation. It might just be smaller than usual, which is our view today. But I think what we're really sort of trying to balance out is, you know, improving vaccinations, uh, improving global growth, the very fact that major central banks are considering mm. hiking rates, that's all a positive. They're all environments in which you expect emerging markets to do well. But, you know, we haven't, I think we need to get through some of the economic reopening, post-COVID uh, reopening thresholds. I think that's one where we're much closer to now. Uh, the other big one is China, because unlike the US and China, we're seeing more of a slowing in economic growth. We're seeing sort of, you know, an addressing of some of the the debt challenges in the property sector, for example. And we do think that will mean, you know, it's more supportive policy going forward. But that's undoubtedly one drag on emerging market equities that usually isn't, hasn't been there in the past at these points in the global cycle. So I think that's what we need to see sort of resolved before we start turning more optimistic on EM equities. So it's about watching them as opposed to being, you know, unduly bearish. Yeah, Manpreet, talk about China. You might remember them for banning anything to do with cryptocurrency recently. But despite that, Bitcoin prices are still going up. The latest, of course, it seems to be fueled by the Bitcoin-linked ETF that made its debut yesterday. And some people are talking about using Bitcoin as an inflation hedge. What's your view on going into Bitcoin these days? Well, I think I remember we spoke about this 
stor. I, I think I find the inflation hedge argument interesting because I, you know we looked at the, the relationship between you know Bitcoin and gold, for example, uh, and you don't really see that sort of gold-like properties coming through. If anything, the relationship seems uh, a lot tighter with risky assets, and that seems to fit in with you know the whole range of cryptocurrencies out there. You know they tend to be quite volatile still, but you see more responsiveness to risky assets, more responsiveness to you know more liquidity. So in our view, look, it's not something we advise on, but you know just the volatility, of course, is something we'd always advise caution. So it's not that you know we sort of advise sort of jumping into sort of staying away, but you know be careful about the amount in one's portfolio. And equally with you know new sort of ways of gaining mm-hmm. exposure, obviously buying the currency themselves. You spoke about ETFs and other options going up. I think it's always important to just be careful about uh, not just lying you know on the on the label on the can, but jumping into the mm-hmm. ingredient and being very sure about you know what kind of exposure uh, you're really gaining. So I think it's more about just being cautious and recognizing it's a risky asset and, and a pretty volatile one. Uh, and volatility works in both ways. Yeah, talking about being cautious, right? If you look at the latest wave of earnings, we've seen markets rise on the back of optimism on some strong numbers, beating expectations. But if you look at the commentary, there seems to be some outlook about rising supply chain costs, bottlenecks, is that starting to be priced in into the outlook for the fourth quarter and so on? Well, I'd argue it, it is already priced in. I think we always knew going into this that some of these supply chains were, were going to be a challenge. Mm. And we always knew that was going to have an impact on producer prices. I think the challenge is more that it's lasting perhaps a little bit longer mm. than, than many investors and indeed central bankers expected. But, you know, at the end of the day, Equally, that's improved in some cases, CAPEX outlooks, because we're seeing stronger demand and we're seeing more signs that you know, firms are willing to invest to meet those demand demands. So, so I think it's a balancing act here. I think when you look through inflation forecasts, when you look through uh, you know, what markets are expecting on central bank rate hikes, I think a part of rate hikes in the Fed, for example, is priced in, you know, about three to four rate hikes going out to the end of 2023. So that's in the price. It's not an automatic pass through into consumer prices if producer prices rise for a short period of time. I think we've seen that episode before. Mm-hmm. So a risk to watch, but I think at least a transitory inflation that begins to ease back next year, I think that's what's in the price. And I think that's what we'll be sort of using as a baseline to watch, watch as the situation evolves. Yeah, talking about risk, what is the risk-reward ratio when it comes to the US dollar right now? Because we've seen a lot of people talking about how it might go lower, but it doesn't seem to be the case. No, you're right, and I think that's been one of the one of our our most frustrating calls, admittedly. But uh, at the moment, we just think the risk reward, you know, the, of chasing it higher, and there is a big temptation to do so, it is pretty poor because. On one hand, what you've really seen the dollar index do is stay in a, in a wide range. And today we're closer to the top of that. And I think it's important to keep in mind that if you take a short-term lens, a lot of technicals argue we're closer to a turning point or a move lower because we haven't seen the break higher in resistance, hmm. uh, through resistance. And when you step back and look at the long-term fundamentals, uh, you know we always are a big sort of believer in relative bond yield differentials. And you can deviate from those for, for significant periods of time, but they still argue the dollar should be a whole lot weaker, not stronger. Mm. Now, you could argue that some of the flows into U.S. assets, particularly in equities and bond markets, have, have sort of you know meant that hasn't quite uh, been the case over the past year. But it still sort of says, look, the risk reward for chasing it higher looks pretty poor. If anything, we'd be counting on a move lower from this point. All right. Thanks, Manpreet. Chairman Manpreet Gill, he's the head of FICC Investment Strategy for Senate Chartered Private Bank. Manpreet, thanks for your time again. Thanks very much. Have a great day. Before acting on the information on MoneyFM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.